just where you're where you're at just lift your hands up for just just a minute right here something is going to move in this place tonight and nobody's going to leave here the same way they came in unless they want to These moments right here are significant moments. We just lift our hands thanking God for the 36 years. 36 years. 36 years of plowing up a ground. That I declare to you is set for harvest. In the name that is above every name, we declare it and we believe it. And we throw a double portion of honor upon these pastors who prayed for other people when people should have been praying for them, who held up other people when they wish somebody was holding them up who preached faith when they didn't feel it, <laughs> who showed up when they didn't feel it, and looked sometimes at people who looked like they didn't care if they felt it. We put double honor upon them tonight, and we decree that your blessed days and your best days are on you, and they are right here and right now, and there is a yes and an amen in this church, and I want to hear everybody give God some praise for these people right here. Come on, just take a minute, make a little bit of noise. Take a minute and make a little bit of noise in this place right here. And um, my wife Kathy is with us tonight, and um, she's been here before with uh, Pastor Debbie and ladies of meetings especially. And uh, we're just honored to be here. And um, when I when I realized I was here for anniversary, just for a minute, just for a minute. I felt a little funny because I thought y'all brought them balloons in here for me. And then and then when I got up here, I realized the balloons ain't for me. But I'm past it. I'm okay now. I'm good. Just it just took me a minute. It just took me a minute. And so glad to meet these nice uh, pastors from Mississippi, right? And uh, we ordered special weather for you. That you could feel at home and all of that. Um, you guys can be seated just for, just for a minute here. We're gonna. I want to tell you, I, I, um, just before you, maybe you head towards the gym, I'm gonna sign books after service. And um, I just I just wrote this. I'm gonna just take a minute and tell you. I just wrote this. Um, I guess it was last year, but it took about 30 some years to write it. It's called Fault Lines. The things that shake you don't have to break you. And um, I find out that people come through seasons of their life where they build their house on a fault line their ethics and values change over time and then they go through a life quake and um, so this will the first part of the book is written to survivors people that have been through something but you're still holding on and then the second part of the book is written to what I call gap standers the Bible says that wherever you find a gap you should stand in it and um, we have a lot of preaching about how to win the lost, but not a lot of preaching about how to retain the found. 
And um, if we just had in our midst the number of people that we know that used to serve God, there wouldn't be enough room in this building. And sometimes we don't have room for them because we don't plan on being first responders. And uh, every football team has a medic on the sidelines. Every military has a mass unit. Every city has a hospital. The church talks a lot about warfare and then acts surprised when people get wounded. If you get wounded in the military, you come home and they give you a medal and call you a hero, as well they should, as well they should. But if you get wounded in spiritual battle, we just walk on and keep on clapping and singing. But the Bible said, if a brother is overtaken in a fault, those of you who are spiritual, stop all that shaking, sit down and go to restore them. That's what I, did. I just added a little something on there for you. Those of you that are spiritual should seek to restore in a spirit of meekness considering yourself. There has to be roads for prodigals to come home. I think when the prodigal said, I will arise and go to my father's house, he at least knew which direction to go. So anyway, reconciliation, restoration, all that. Anyway, so I want to sign some of these for you. I know it's good for this reason. Two reasons, actually. One of them is that most of the people that got them, Pastor, came back later and bought two more copies for people that they realized once they got them, I need to give this to someone. And I knew it was really good because I always give my parents the first copy of any book that I write. And I took them over and my mom read it and she called me the next day and got 14 of them. I think for all my cousins or something. I don't know what that was about. But anyhow, I said, Mom, you don't have to get, she said, no, I'm going I'm to get those. So anyway, um, hopefully it'll be a blessing to you. And, and uh, Kathy and I can say hi to you at the table and, and sign and all that. We are honored and blessed to be here. Thank you for inviting us. Thank you for allowing us to stand in this space, in this moment. And um, I'm just kind of I'm just kind of getting my bearings right now. Don't worry about me. I'm, I'm good. I'm just, I'm studying you while you're studying me. That's what we're doing. I, I see y'all looking at me. And um, I don't know that if people know how valuable um, long-term pastors are. People that will stick their feet in the ground, stare a devil in the face, and fight him for 36 years. People that you help can have one bad Sunday and you never see them again. <laughs> but to stand there for 36 years and, and, to, and to build a place in a territory. I, I'm actually setting up my message. I came here not to preach. A, uh, I, I'm, not, I'm not trying to exegete scripture tonight. I'm not trying to preach a homiletical message. I came to drop a word on you. That's what I came to do. I came to drop a word on you. I'm, I'm, I'm just looking for my rowdy section because I don't preach to dead folks. I'm just looking for my rowdy section. Because I, I can't do the dead folk thing. I can't do the dead folk thing. But I'm, because I came to drop a word on you. There's enough preachers in this house. If I drop this microphone, you ain't going to have no problem because somebody will snatch it and preach another message. But I'm on an assignment tonight. I'm on an assignment tonight and I'm about ready to break a seven-year cycle over this territory and over somebody's life and by the time we get up out of here tonight everything in your life is going to be on a new trajectory because I came to break it in the name of Jesus I'm just looking for somebody that knows how to say yes and 
I heard something, a, a couple things. I heard something though the other the the, the other week. Might have been just Sunday, because I went out to preach something on Sunday, and I heard I heard this phrase, because you know principalities govern over municipalities. They're over territories, and I heard this word that because what principalities do is they they produce a hostility and an animosity in the air over the people of God, so that people become resistant and anti to the things of God and sometimes they can resist the very thing that they need the most and I heard this thing that wherever there's a no in the air there has to be a yes in your spirit because God does not move based on the no of the devil he moves based on the yes of his people so you got to put a yes in your spirit right here. I said you got to put a yes in your spirit right here. You got to put a yes in your spirit right here. So everybody stand up. I'm going to read a verse of scripture if you don't mind. I like to, I like to stand just to kind of focus what we're going to do. I heard, the, I heard the Spirit of the Lord saying that there is rising a generation of people. You have to understand a biblical generation or um, a kingdom generation is not age-related a, a kingdom generation is everybody that believes Jesus who's alive at the same time that's the Lord's generation and I heard that there's rising in the earth now now there's rising in the earth now a generation of people who will move mountains when Jesus said that if you have faith as a mustard seed you can speak to a mountain and move it it, it, it wasn't literal it wasn't literal it's it's a rhetorical symbolism <laughs> because a, a mountain is something that seems as if it's permanent and other generations have dealt with it and they got used to it and they believed that it was unmovable but there's rising a generation that have the power through the faith of God and they're going to begin to speak to things and move things that have plagued other generations and world hunger will come to an end walls will come down human trafficking will be stopped racism will be put up under our feet wars will come down because there's coming a generation that says other generations may have looked at it and think that it's permanent but it is not permanent because the thing that moves it is our faith to be able to say walls are coming down prison doors are open chains are falling off I need a church that has a yes I need somebody that has a yes in their spirit I said I need somebody that has a yes in your spirit I want you to throw your hand up in the air and shout yes one time there is a yes there is a yes I'm gonna drop a word on you I just have to get you ready for it so I, I want to read something out of Revelation chapter number 19 are you good to play all night all right you're younger than me so just play on thank God for higher ground God bless you guys God bless you guys there's a verse, Revelation chapter 19 and verse 10, I believe it is. Where's it at? Oh, there it is. 
and I fell at his feet to worship him and he said unto me see that you do it not it was an angel um, I am your fellow servant and of your brethren who have the testimony of Jesus worship God worship God for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy I just want to say that again the testimony of Jesus it is the spirit of prophecy so I'm going to ask you to find about three people and say get tuned into this right here real good get tuned into this right here You can be seated, everybody. I'm going to drop a word on you before I leave. And all I'm doing right here is getting you ready to receive and to activate this word that I'm getting ready to drop on you. That's why I just want you to know that this is not a homiletical sermon. I'm not going to exegete scripture. It's not a bunch of theology because that's not what I came to do. What I came to do is to drop this word on you. I found out a long time ago that atmosphere is everything. When I was a young preacher, I would get up and preach, and if God gave me a prophetic word, I'd just jump up and throw it out. And it took me a long time to realize that if I throw a word into the wrong atmosphere, it becomes aborted. And if it becomes aborted, then it becomes harder for me to resurrect at a later time. So all I'm trying to do is to get you ready so that I can drop this word on you. Because it is, it is the power of a word that gets you to where you're going. And the way that you, the, the way that you're able to receive it, it's not he that hears, hears a prophet, he that receiveth. You, you, everybody's going to hear the same thing tonight, but everybody's not going to receive it the same way. What you have to have something to know on the inside is the testimony of Jesus, which is the spirit of prophecy. You have to be able to hear a word and reach up and grab it and know that that's yours. Come into agreement with that word with a yes in your spirit. And then that word begins to live with you. I'm going to give you a chance by just getting you to clap your hands one time. I just need to turn the heat up. I'm just going to turn the temperature up in here just a little bit, just a little bit, turn the temperature up a little bit because, because it's interesting because I believe that we are at the point right here, right now, where God is about ready to pour out of his spirit in, in our land like we have never seen before. And the, the problem that we are having is that we have... We have too many churches that have built the church around making everybody comfortable to such a degree that they can't get anybody delivered. And so in the absence of the miracle working power of God and prophetic utterance, they drift over into something else. And it becomes nice and cute and all that kind of thing. But I, I gotta be around some Holy Ghost people. 
because because when God wants to do something it takes power I said it takes power it takes a power that you can't find through just religious tradition and functioning you got to have some hot sauce on it you got to have some fire you got to have something that is moving on the inside of you to get it done so I realized that there are there's more than one component to what it means to serve God you have you have an an ethical thing a value thing a principle thing and then you have an experiential thing you got to have both of them so all, all of Scripture is putting putting the two together so that we are able to have spirit and structure vertical and horizontal orthodoxy orthoproxy doxological eucharistic rhema and logos spirit and truth I'm trying to find you I'm trying to find you. and what happens is in the absence of spiritual movements we get counterbalanced by something that can't get us uh, what what we what we hear we can't retrieve because it takes the spirit to retrieve what you heard from the word and and it is possible for you to hear the word and not be able to activate that word because it takes the spirit that wrote the words to bring the word into manifestation the way that you hear the way that you approach the scripture has a lot to do with what you're able to get out of it if you see the Bible as a history book then then you're unable to live out what you read because the principle of the scripture is not just that it happened if it's only a history book then it's filled with great stories and narratives that are interesting but not helpful so if three Hebrew boys get put into a fiery furnace and the fourth man jumps in there that's a nice story not overly helpful but it's cool if Daniel gets put into a lion's den and turns the lion into a pillow that's a nice story doesn't help you much unless you work at the zoo if a little shepherd boy can take a rock and throw it at a giant and bring him down that's a cool story doesn't really help me much it doesn't help me much that it happened it only helps me if I approach it with the understanding that it's not that it happened but that it's still happening mm. if I understand that it is still happening then I am able to retrieve something out of it because I don't need God to stop the mouth of a lion I need God to stop the mouth of some liars and if he can stop the mouth of a lion he can stop the mouth of liars y'all ain't saying nothing that's all right if, if three Hebrew boys 
can get into a fiery furnace and the fourth man get in, then that tells me when I'm in a hot situation, Jesus will jump in there with me. Now, now it's making sense to me. Now it's making sense to me. If, 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 if uh, a shepherd boy can throw a rock at a giant, then that tells me that when I'm facing something that is bigger than me, something that seems like it's stronger than me if I come at it in the name of the Lord the least weaponry will take that enemy down because it wasn't the rock that did it it was because David said I come to you in the name of the Lord and I came to tell somebody tonight that you're about ready to break through something that has been working against you and God's going to make a way for you I'm just looking for a yes in this building It's a, so, I, I, I got I to work with you for just a minute. Are y'all doing all right? Yeah. I, I just got to work with you for a minute because I'm trying to get you to this moment. But you have to understand how to receive a prophetic word. The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. And the spirit of prophecy works by, by you being able to locate yourself in this scripture. So, everybody here knows... There's a lot of verses in this Bible. The question becomes, how do I know which one applies to my situation? Because every verse does not apply to me in every situation. It's going to take me a half hour to explain that to you if you don't work your way through it. Every scripture does not apply to you in every situation. Okay. Some verses say stand still. Now you're afraid to say amen because you don't know where I'm taking you. <laughs> like I ain't saying amen until I know where we're going. <laughs> right? Stand still and see the salvation of God. How many of y'all know that's in the Bible? Yeah. And then also in the Bible, there's a scripture that says go, go forward. Yeah. So how do I know whether to stand still or to go forward? One time the Lord told David, you shall pursue, you shall overtake, and you shall recover it all. Am I right? And then one time David asked God and God said, you shall not pursue. <laughs> it says, husbands love your wives. How many single people we have in here? That verse ain't for you. Ain't got nothing to do with your season. So how am I supposed to do it? The Bible says that when Jesus walked into the temple, he found the place. He found the place where it was written. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. And then he says to them, he says, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. That means he showed us that you got to be able to locate yourself in this scripture so that you know what word is for you at any given time. And you can't do that without the spirit of prophecy by which when you're reading, you understand that that word is for me. The word is for me. So I got, I'm still working with you. The, the deal is that some of the hardest people to get to live in the spiritual level are people that know a lot of Bible verses. 
I didn't just make that up. The people in Jesus' time, watch this. The devils knew who he was. A woman taking the act of adultery knew who he was. Mary Magdalene knew who he was. The pigs knew who he was. Everybody knew who he was except for the scribes and Pharisees who had spent their life studying the old the Torah. They had more, what we would call, Bible knowledge than anybody else, but they were dull. So the Bible says that the, the letter, it's where we get the word literal from, the literal killeth, but the spirit brings life. That's why when I get around people that say silly stuff, it makes my brain cramp. Because they say stuff like, well, Jesus said what he meant and meant what he said. Are you kidding me? Jesus purposely did not say what he meant. That's what a parable is. And the Bible said he spoke to them in parables so that they did not understand it. So that when he got with his disciples, he said, it is given to you to not, you, you, you're not, you, it is given. Jesus didn't say what he meant. He doesn't mean for you to cut off your hand every time you sin. Or poke your eyes out. Any more than you got to walk through a pearl gate or streets of gold or anything like that. It's, it's biblical symbolism because he hides the bigger meaning so that you can understand it at levels. I don't have time to fix all that for you. What I'm trying to tell you is if you can tell me what the Bible says, all that, know, all that tells me is that you know how to memorize it. But because you know what it, how to quote it doesn't mean you understand what it means. And some of the hardest people to deal with are people that know what Jesus said, but they don't know what Jesus meant. Trying to get you a word. Trying to get you a word. Trying to get you a word. But I'm trying to also get you to understand that the Bible is not God. See, I feel that every time I mess with you. Because you're bibliodolaters. You've made a God out of the Bible. But you don't know the God of the Bible. Thank you. You ain't got to say, man, I'm going home. I got Thursday night service tomorrow night. And I'm going to be going over there and get some clap happy people. That's exactly what I'm going to do. See, we have reduced God down to our ability to understand him. And the principle of the kingdom, I'm just trying, the reason I'm doing this, I'm trying to get you to a place where I can just throw a word out there and you ain't got to figure it out. You can just grab it. And you ain't there yet. You ain't there yet. Some of you may not get there till February. Anyway. So, it is possible for you to study the Bible and not know the God that wrote the Bible. I'm going to take it a step further. I'm going to take it a step further. I'm going to take it a step further. You don't have to have a Bible to be saved. I'm going to take it a step further. Half of the world is illiterate. Now, your Bible is not a hindrance. You're the hindrance. You having a Bible should put you in another category. But it doesn't put you in another category when you think you've got to have a verse for everything.
The letter kills and the spirit brings life. If you don't know what the spirit or the meaning behind the text is, then you can do damage quoting the Bible to people when you don't know what it means. Have you ever had somebody rip you apart with the Bible? They got verses as to why God's trying to get you and why God's trying to kill you. Which tells me they know nothing about God because if God was trying to get you, he'd have done got you. You ain't that hard to find. How y'all doing? So, so, so here, here becomes the situation. The situation is this. The church is not an academic center. And our relationship with God is not academic. The Bible is an Eastern book. Written by Eastern people. <laughs> Y'all please tell me you know this. Yeah. And you're trying to process an Eastern book through a Western mind. And it's interesting that in the Eastern world, there are more miracles, more signs and wonders, larger churches. And here we sit in the United States of America with 200 years of reading the Bible and our average church has about 100 people in it. Y'all don't love me tonight, I don't care. I came, to, I came to kick off a revival. I came, to, I came to move something. I said, I came to move something. Somebody ought to have the good sense to say something is wrong. Something is wrong. The largest, the largest churches in the world are in Africa. The most, most miracles in the world. Your pastors are global globetrotters. They, they go all over, all over the world. And they will tell you, I'm sure, and can correct me if I'm wrong. It's their 36th anniversary, you know, they can correct me whenever they want to. But the, the point of it is, is, that, is that, that the places in the world that have the most miracles and the largest gatherings and the most signs and wonders are not in the Western world. So the Western world is an academic culture. So when, uh, when, when I was growing up, we went to a thing called Sunday School. How many of y'all went to Sunday School? Okay, y'all looking at me partly cloudy. If, if, if you went to Sunday School, jump up on your feet so we can see. If you went to Sunday School. Okay, look around here. Look around here. Okay, so, oh, that, see, this making sense now. It's making all kind of sense. It's making all kind of sense. Now it's making all kind of sense. Because we went to Sunday Sunday school. That's what we did. We went to what? Sunday? Sunday school. Because of the academic culture, the Western world gave us theology, which is, which is wonderful, but it's incomplete. All of theology is helpful. It's just incomplete. But they gave us theology. They gave us great preachers, Spurgeon and Finney. And all of that. But because, and, and that's where our hymns came from. 
Nothing wrong with any of those things. They have their place. Walk with me. But so, since it's an academic culture, our schools and our churches were married. Right? You guys know this. The Ivy League schools were, were created by Christian institutions to teach people the Bible, and they drifted all from that, and I get all of that, and I get all that. But then, but then we are so academic-oriented that we organize what we call Sunday school. So, our, so our, we built our churches like schools. Our churches became academic centers. So when you have 12, let's call it 12 years, when you have 12 years of training that goes like this, when you go to school, you are told, sit still, be quiet, and don't look on anybody else's paper. And when you get, when you get 12 years of that logged into your brain, every time you come into the church, you think you're supposed to sit still and be quiet and you won't look on nobody's paper. That's why you keep failing that test because the person next to you has the answers. For God's sake, look on their paper. If I'm going through a test and, and you passed it, help a brother out. not come here to sit still and to be quiet I came here to make a sound in the air to let the enemy know that there is victory in my life oh my goodness something is moving something is moving something is moving so so Anger has a sound. Yeah? I said anger has a sound. Y'all got to talk back to me. Quit acting like you're a school. Anger, act, act like you're at a pep rally. Act like you're at a ball game. Act like you're in a nightclub. Act like your team is winning. Act like your kids are making... Do something for God's sake. This is, this is how I know that this is a key. This is how I know this is a key. Because anytime there is an animosity or hostility or a resistance in the air to something that is anti-scriptural tells me that the enemy knows that if you ever tap that key, then you can apply what you've been writing down. Your problem is you think because you write it down, stick it on your refrigerator, buy a bumper sticker, or get a big Dracula cross and a 12-pound Bible that you automatically got it happening. But it don't happen that way, baby. You got to have the spirit that pulls the thing into manifestation. <coughs> Just pretend. All y'all back there. Everybody look down your row. If ain't nobody clapping, get up and move because you're, you're in a section that's going to hinder you. You guys, can you clap? Pay attention. See, y'all don't know me. I'm sorry. Y'all don't know me. 
I'm the kind of person when I go to a church and I go to church and I'm after something, I do not mind switching seats on you in a hurry. I will I will look down. If I'm the only one on a row praising God, if I got you too close to me sitting with your arms folded, looking at your watch, going through Facebook, I say, see ya. I, I'm over here someplace because I came to get something from God that you about ready to block from me. I'm looking for a whole church. I said, I'm looking for a whole church that ain't afraid to make some noise. I'm going to be out your way in a minute. I'm going to be out your way in a minute. I'll be out your way in a minute. I'm just, I'm just getting ready to drop a word on you. Defeat has a sound. Anger has a sound. Defeat has a sound. And victory has a sound. I said, victory has a sound. Victory has a sound. I said, victory has a sound. As a sound what what someone has yet to tell the church is that you cannot receive from God passively you ever see people pastor I, I know there ain't nobody like this in Indiana but let me tell you about Ohio people they will come to church and think they can pout their way into a miracle see what I'm saying And they think if they do that long enough, I'm going to come lay hands on them. What I do is avoid them. Because I don't want them to mess up my anointing. Because the Bible does not teach that miracles happen. The Bible teaches that miracles are affected. They do not fall out of the sky on your broke down, no faith having head. What happens is you got to do something. You got to pick up your bed and walk. You got to throw a rock at a giant. You got to dig a ditch in a window. You got to do, you got to do something. You got to do something. I said, you got to do something. You got to do something. So, so the truth, the truth is, if you act like a victim, and you sound like a victim, and your body language is victimized, then the enemy has access to you. What you have to do is make a sound of victory to such a degree that the enemy says, I better go find somebody else, because this one right here has the sound of victory coming out of their mouth. It's true. It's true. It's true. So, every so often I move people off front rows. Because otherwise, people will, will get in front of you with, no, with, with a spirit that will block what you're trying to do to get to other people. Thank you. Just thought I'd throw that out there. Maybe for the ushers to pay attention. And, um... If you've ever been to a, a ball stadium, what you find out is you can leave a game early thinking that a team is losing. Get out in the parking lot and hear a sound come up out of that stadium 
and you know that the Buckeyes just beat Indiana. Oh, I got you now. I was gonna say, now you got some life. <laughs> now you got a sound. That was a little riot sound right there. You can, you can be walking away from the stadium, never see what happened in the stadium, but the sound coming out of the stadium tells you you backed out a little bit too early because victory was on the way. I'm just trying to tell you that when people step into the church, they ought to hear a sound that lets them know we're winning this thing right here. We are coming out on the other side of this, and we're about ready to win something. I need somebody to make a shout. Put a sound of victory in this house. There, there's, a, there's a sound of victory. I'm still, I'm still on the same point. I just want to get you there. I'm going to drop a word on you and I'm leaving. And so, so the academic culture then, then causes us to define our churches academically. And it's not that we don't need study or any of those kind of things. I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm not talking about that. What I'm trying to explain to you is that God refuses to be your science fair project. And you don't get to come to church and make God your subject. God is not subject to you. He refuses to be figured out. He's past finding out. You ain't smart enough to figure him out. Whenever you're asking for a miracle, what you're asking for is to God to do something that violates the laws of reason. It doesn't mean that we're not smart. Our churches are smart and they need to be smart. You can't sit up under these people's teaching for however many years any one of you have been here and, and not become smarter. you got to be smart to track with it. What I'm trying to tell you though is that we are smart enough to know that something doesn't have to be unreasonable to be above reason. I'm not being unreasonable. I just realized there's a level beyond reason. There's a level beyond reason because when I'm asking God, because, okay, so for, God creates the world and the world has certain laws in it, right? Laws of motion. Things in motion tend to stay in motion unless they're acted upon by an outside force of greater, whatever. Laws of motion. Laws of gravity, right? Laws of electricity. You can't produce electricity without friction. Laws of mathematics, one plus one is two. I'm trying to find you. It's whatever, whatever laws that there are, function. God is not subject to the laws that he created. If God was subject to anything, then he's not sovereign. Then the laws would be God and God would be under the laws. So whenever you're asking for a miracle, what you're asking God to do is bend a law that he created in your favor. So the so law of gravity, red, yellow, black, or white, young, old, rich, poor, whatever, you get up on top of this building and jump off and you are coming down. That's how that works. But Jesus gets out and walks on the water because he's not subject to that law. 
laws of mathematics. One plus one is two. Two plus two is four. Jesus said, how many loaves and fishes do you have? Watch 5,000 come up out of this right here. We're 12 baskets left on the other side. He's not bound by the same laws he created. He said, everything you speak to in the natural, everything you speak to in the natural has to have ears and speak your language to understand you. He goes, I talk to trees. I talk to waves. I talk to wind. Are you listening to me? He is not bound by the same laws. So the, so the academic culture, you know, makes us, makes us think we have to understand everything. That's a slow process. I ain't got time to understand everything I have the power to believe. I ain't got to be able to explain it to you or your backslidden relatives. I ain't got to, I ain't got to make some kind of paper out of it. If there's anything Jesus taught us is you can get an A on the paper and still fail the test. So, we do this left brain, right brain stuff, right? Everybody knows all about that? Left brain, right brain? Left brain people married right brain people? Right brain people married left brain people? Lame brain people married no brain people? I don't know. And the left, the, the left, the left part of the brain is, is detailed. Yeah? And it's uh, mathematical and judicial and linear. Likes everything in place. Doesn't lose its keys. Has a place for everything. Y'all with me? Right brain people are intuitive, creative, lose keys whatever and what I want what I what I want to show you I'm about ready to drop this word on you what I want to show you is that the essence of what it means to move in the spirit and to be in faith does not work with my left brain I can't figure it out I ain't got no chart for it But because the Bible is an Eastern book, the Eastern book is written so that you read it from right to left. In the West, we read from the left to the right, which means we start with what we can understand and try to pull what we understand over into the realm of faith. But the way it was written is for you to start with faith and then pull it until you understand it. So there's a scripture in John chapter 21 and the disciples were fishing all night long. And they were fishing and Jesus came up to them and he said, have you caught any fish? I gave you this verse, y'all track with me. And he says, have, have you caught 
any fish? New King James says, do you have any food? And they said, no. Watch this. Next verse. And he said unto them, cast the net on the right side. <laughs> and you will find some. So they cast, and now they were not able to draw it in because of the multitude of fish. These are fisher people that have been fishing all night on the left side of the boat. And Jesus said, the reason you can't catch nothing is because you got your net on the wrong side of the boat. You got to get it over onto the right side. Just trying to help somebody what I'm trying to tell you is that if you keep starting with God over here on the left academic figure it out science fair project get an A on the test wait till I can understand it to do it mentality you're gonna be fishing all night and not get nothing you got to start over here in the spirit and let your mind figure it out later So, I'm going to drop this word on you. What is it that we have in the, in, the, in the gym? Coffee and cupcakes. That's why I got I to get done fast. I got to get done fast because I know how y'all how get. Okay, so, there's a word that is coming for whoever wants it. And God is about ready to break seven-year cycles. I don't want you to get locked up on, I know what seven years means, but also what's, what seven really speaks to us about is a completed cycle. There are people under the sound of my voice that are at the end of a cycle. <laughs> and you are so close. And this, this is what I keep hearing. As we're about ready to go into 2020, I'm kind of already there. I'm kind of already in my mind moving towards 2020. Because 20 and 20, that's, that's double portion. That's, that's, that's double for your trouble. That's two 20s back to back, baby. And God is about ready to give us the 2020. Second Chronicles 20 and 20. Believe on the Lord your God and so shall you be established. Believe his prophets and so shall you prosper. It's about ready to release something upon somebody in this house. And you are closer, you are closer. The reason that you're feeling the tension, the reason that you're feeling the pressure, the reason that it feels like everything's trying to get you to give up is because what you don't know is that you're at the end of a cycle and God's about ready to release you into a new season and give you double for your trouble. goodness oh my goodness everybody stand up for a minute everybody stand up everybody stand up okay because I'm fixing to give this to you I'm fixing to give this to you I'm fixing to give this to you and then cupcakes is gonna be on the way it's gonna be awesome I mean how can you beat that you get a word of God and a cupcake you know what I'm saying all right Deuteronomy chapter 15 at the end 
of every seven years you shall grant a release of debts got it next verse and this is the form of the release Every creditor who has lent anything to his neighbor shall release it. He shall not require of his neighbor and his brother because, watch this, it is called the Lord's... Why am I the only one talking? It is, it is called... Come on, class. It is called the Lord's... Re one more time. It is called the Lord's release. At the end of a seven-year cycle, God releases everything that is supposed to be yours. And I came here to tell somebody on this 36th anniversary that you're about ready to be at the end of a cycle. And God is about ready to release something to you. Oh, my goodness. All right, just sit down for a minute. Sit down for a minute because I got to show it to you. I'm going to show it to you. Just sit down for a minute. Sit down for a minute. Sit down for a minute. This is an interesting microphone. This, this, um, the, way this, the way this goes is like this. Watch this because I'm going to show it to you. The seven-year cycles in the Bible. I don't have time to show it to you, but for you to think about it. That seven years under Laban for one wife, another seven years for another one. Seven-year cycles. When the people of Israel did evil in the sight of God, he turned them over into the hand of, of Midian for seven years. That's when Gideon came. There's a woman in the Bible, coming to the end now, there's a woman in the Bible who the prophet comes by and she perceives, this is Kings I'm in now, she perceives that this is a man of God. Y'all know the story. Perception is not the same thing as education. She didn't learn, she perceived. The arrival of the prophetic is the indication that potential is present. Whenever the prophetic is there, that means potential is present. Potential is present. Potential is not who you are. It's who you are not. But you still can be. Potential is not what you have done. It's what you have not done. But you still can do. Potential is not who you are. It's who you are not. And potential is not what you have. It's what you don't have. But you still can have. The only thing is, you got to have something prophetic in there because the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy and it ain't going to happen till somebody says something and gives you the chance to perceive it. That's why when the prophetic shows up many times in the Bible, you find out that it has to be an immediate. No time to phone a friend. You don't get to call nobody. You ain't got to do the math. You ain't got to get a printout. You ain't got time to Google it. You got to receive it. Because if you can't perceive it, you can't receive it. So this woman perceives this as a man of God who comes by, you know, 
passes us by continually. I ain't got time to preach that story, right? Blah, 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 blah. And then and then she goes in the other room and comes back out. We're gonna do something for you. She says, I don't need nothing. Servant says she ain't got no she ain't got no baby. And so then she comes back out, and the, and then the, the, the prophet says, This time, next year, you're gonna have a baby. Are you with me? And so then she said, no, I ain't going to have no baby. He said, no, this time, next year, you're going to have a baby. And then the baby shows up. Would never have happened. Would never have happened if a word hadn't been spoken over her. What does the Bible say? Matthew 10, 41, he that receiveth the prophet. In the name of a prophet shall receive a prophet's reward. There were many widows in the land, but only to one was the prophet sent. That means there were, I, I know y'all don't like it, but, but that means there were widow women that starved to death. Because there were many widows in the land, but only to one was the prophet sent. And when he got to Zarephath, he said to her, in the middle of a famine, bring me a cake. She ain't got time to figure this out. This is where her mind is at. Her mind is here. Me and my son, we're going to make this thing right here. We're going to eat this and die. He said, before you die, go bake me a cake. Immediately, she has to perceive and when she does, that's when the word came. Your mill barrel shall not run dry. Are you tracking with me? But there were many widows in her same condition. But only to one was the prophet sent. There were many lepers. This is the same, I'm still in the same verse. There are many lepers in the days of Naaman. But only to one was the prophet sent. Are you tracking with me? And the prophet has to give him something to do. Go dip down into the water. And then he got upset about that because he didn't like that. It didn't fit in his brain. And he's a king and all that kind of stuff. And he had a good sense enough to have a servant that was with him that said, if he'd asked you to do something great, you would have done it. Why don't you just go jump in the water? You got leprosy. How, how could you... You can't be desperate and picky at the same time. It's amazing. This man has leprosy and thinks the Jordan is too dirty for him to get you got leprosy for God's sake. So he goes in one time, two times, three times. On the seventh time, he comes up clean. I'm trying to show you something. I'm trying to show you something. This woman perceived. This is a man of God that comes by continually. I'm getting ready. I'm getting ready to get out your way. And 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 she got up there, and boom, they have a baby. He goes out there. Then the baby dies. Y'all remember the whole story? Baby dies, and then Gehazi comes over there. He gets embarrassed, and then the prophet comes back, stretches out over the child, raises the child up from the dead. Everybody with me? All right. Then about the time we get over. In like 2 Kings chapter 7, watch this. After this, then there, there comes this word. About this time tomorrow, right? Yeah. The famine is going to be over in Samaria. About this time tomorrow. I gave you that verse too. And there we go. Thus saith the Lord, hear the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord tomorrow about this time, right? Tomorrow about this time. Tomorrow. I'm not going to preach you the story. You guys know the story, right? Then a servant on whose hand the king leaned, yeah. said, 
Watch me. If the Lord would make windows in the heavens, can you hear the sarcasm? Yeah. Might this thing be? He said, you'll see it, but you won't eat it. But watch this. Every king leans on something. King speaks of its dominion. It's your mind. Your mind leans on, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding. So the problem with this king is he was leaning on something that didn't have the power to believe what the prophetic word was. Just showing you something. So the boy is raised from the dead. Famine is over here. Next word that he gives to the same woman is this word. Thank you for helping me. It says there were four lepers men at the gate. You guys know this story. Okay, let's go on to the next chapter, the other chapter. It's like uh, chapter 8. I think it's 8 or 9 something. That was the last one? That's all y'all? There we go. There we go. Now watch this. Elisha spoke to the woman whose son he had restored to life. Yo, right? Same story. Saying, arise and go, you and your household, and stay wherever you can, for the Lord has called for a famine, and furthermore, it will come upon the land for seven years. Just hold right there. How long? Seven. Seven years. Now watch this. You got to, this is what I'm trying to show you. She gets a miracle. Next word is that the the prophetic word comes to Samaria, your famine is over. And then he shows back up to this same woman and says, God has called for a famine in the land for seven years. You need to get up and go any place you can go. But get up out of here. Are you tracking with me? So, so what happens is, what I'm trying to show you is that she trained herself to respond to the prophetic word. That's not a word anybody wants. God has called for a family land for seven years. The house that she built, the house that she added on to, the house that this boy was raised in, the house all this miracles happened in, all, of her, all this stuff. He says, you need to get up out of here. And she got up and walked out of it based on a prophetic word. Sometimes during a cycle, I'm like five minutes away from being done. And the reason I'm telling you is because some of y'all are fourth quarter people and you wait till the fourth quarter to get your amens in. I don't want you to take them home. We're on the two minute, we down to the two minute warning right now, right now. Come back from the popcorn stand. You got to get in here for this last shot. So, so, so the thing is, sometimes you think that, that you're losing. And all it is is God putting things in place for the release. And so for seven years, she's up there with the Egyptians or wherever she went to Egypt. During that time, Gehazi got next to the king. He got it put in a position right next to the king. And the king had this infatuation, curiosity, with the miracles that the prophet did. Yeah. <laughs> 
And so he kept telling them, tell me some of the miracle stories. Tell me the miracle stories. And one day, Gehazi is saying to him, I got one for you today. There was a woman who had a baby and the baby died and the prophet raised that baby from dead. And the kid's like, no, that, that, I'm t I'll tell you what I've seen with my own eyes and raise that baby from there. Okay, now, while, while Gehazi is talking to the king. Yeah. What's the next verse? What's the next verse? Come on, come on, help me. You're doing so good back there. Watch it. So the woman arose and did according as the saying of the man of God. She went with her household and dwelt in the land for how long? Seven years. Come on, give me that next one. And, 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 and it came to pass at the end of how long? At the end of seven years that the woman returned from the land of the Philistines and she went to make an appeal to the king for her house and for her land. Uh-huh. Is that all of it? There we go. And it says, and the king asked the woman and she told him, so the king, here we go, appointed a certain officer for her saying, restore all that was hers and all the proceeds of the field from the, no, from the day that she left until now. is the Lord's release. This 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 is the Lord's release. And what's amazing is all she did was to come back to get her land in her house. And he said, oh, no, 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 no. We're going to count up everything that you would have had and you getting it all back at one time and I came to tell somebody that God's been keeping track of the last cycle that you've been through and that cycle is about ready to be broken and when you come out you coming out with everything so I hear the Lord saying that a cycle over your lives and ministries is this this house this territory is about to be broken cycle of resistance cycle of principality hostility cycles of delayed harvest cycles that have worked against the very word in your spirit for everything that God has for you. And I declare that we decree over this house that this is the Lord's release. I said this is the Lord's release. And that you are going to go into 2020 in a position and in a place that you haven't been in since the last cycle was broken but God's about ready to break the cycle of the enemy against you against your against your what God has called you to do in this territory and the Lord's release is coming upon you and as a matter of fact there are people under the sound of my voice that you have been a, been in a cycle that you didn't know how to break and it seemed like everything has been working against you and if you run down here 
here. I'm going to take five minutes to pray for you. But you say, I'm coming to the end of this cycle. And I'm coming. You need to come quickly, quickly. You're at the end of a cycle. I want you to just clap your hands, everybody. Clap your hands and pray for these people. Let me tell you what I know. I know, I know, Pastor, that, that there are people that are fatigued. Yes. Somebody sh should let you know we all get fatigued. Sometimes sometime we as leaders get fatigued. Because, because that's why the Bible says, be not weary in well-doing. Because it's easy to be doing well and still get weary. But the Lord our God does not faint neither does he grow weary and those who wait upon the Lord renew their strength ever so often your faith is demonstrated by your ability to stand up under pressure and wait for the cycle to be broken and God's going to bring it all back to you in one moment God's going to bring it all back to you God's going to bring it all back to you and I do hear I do hear and do believe that there are people who are about ready to go full circle that sometimes you know when you're in the area for a long time you deal with all kinds of things and people and you have your own life you have your own family you got your own world that you I mean you have to you have to live too right. and ever so often there there are people that I call make a lap in the wilderness you know they, they don't understand that you don't trade a relationship of lesser authority to sacrifice one of greater authority. And they could get upset in a parking lot and miss the altar. How you gonna get upset with an usher and, and fall out with the bishop? You want an usher anointing or a bishop anointing? You know, I don't know, whatever. Anyhow, and they have to take a little lap. They have to take a little lap. But sooner or later they go full circle. Because God has a way of helping you hear better. And that's, that's what I'm hearing is that there's coming a season of people that have gone full circle. That God is pulling back into your world. And that it's taking a, a little bit of time because we have, to be, we have to be ready to receive them. We have to be ready. Some of them are coming. But here's what I do know that there are people under the sound of my voice that are coming to the end of a cycle of labor of a harvest that was hindered hmm? the hand of the Lord is coming for you guys I know you're, you're ministering tomorrow night and but the hand of the Lord is coming upon you because the greatest hindrance has been in help there are three different people that you have over the last cycle thought were going to be the main help and each of them bailed for strange reasons and it left you without help <laughs> but I hear I hear the scripture say the Lord is my help and the Lord is your help and in this next cycle God's going to straighten all that out God's going to straighten that all, all that out and, and there's, a, there's a, one of these little cats has like a little email, uh, email problem, you know. That's like email people and, 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 and say things. 
God's getting ready to straighten all this out. Watch and see what I tell you. Because by the time 2020 comes around, you're going to stand back. And when God adds the right help to you, you're going to be able to look back and say, thank God snap crackle or pop didn't make it because god just added the right help that i was supposed to have that cycle is coming to an end and the the anointing is getting ready to move into your life and you're going to see you're going to see exactly you're going to see exactly you're going to see exactly i'm going to pray for you i heard what your dad said earlier but i heard something within what he said i heard something within what you said i heard it I heard it. A, these people love you here. And uh, and I don't know if he I don't know if he can preach or not. Evidently he must be doing some good preaching because everybody seemed like they like him. When you called his name out, they they jumped up and then when you said something about him not having no hair, they was they was fixing to jump on you. I was you know, I was I was watching that. You're gonna see the hand of the Lord come upon you. And 2020 is going to be a year of acceleration for you guys. You're going to see an acceleration in the spirit. You're going to see an acceleration in the spirit. The acceleration in the spirit has to do with a settling of, of two ways and two competing feelings in your heart at the same time. Two paths of life that you have before you that have been that have been a constant conversation we do this we do this we do this we do this pros and cons and cons and pros and should we do this God is going to settle his will and his plan in your life and I declare over you that oh there it is and the path of the Lord will make it perfect and it is not the exclude that's what I just heard it's not the exclusion of the of the business matters that you keep turning over in your heart and your it's not the exclusion of that it's the order of that that you will put you will put the will of God that he has for your life first and then that will come to pass and you will see it come and it will come with blessing because God's asking you to put a few things on the altar so that he can get you to where you're going let me see your hands because the anointing of the Lord is about ready to come up on your hands for miracles and healings and deliverances and you're about ready to see the Lord begin to speak into your heart and into your mind. And the gifts of the Spirit are going to begin to operate in you in such a different capacity. And it doesn't have to look like anybody else or act like anybody else. But the anointing of the Lord will be evident within your own hands, in your own heart, and in your own life. And the, the, the prophetic thing that you've been praying about and laying before God. It's not too long ago. I saw that. Ah, there it is. The, the, not too long ago, it was a little fast that you were on. Um, I didn't mean to minimize it when I said a little fast. It was a little fast I don't know what it was a little fast but you was on a little fast and and your your one of the things you were putting out there was that God I want I want the prophetic I want the gifts of the spirit I want all that stuff to activate and operate in my life you understand what I'm talking about yeah okay so then so then what happens is God is God is now releasing you into a new level of dimension and you're going to begin to see it operate and this house will be evidence and they'll be able to see it I need somebody to say something right here goodness okay it's almost time for cupcakes y'all about ready for cupcakes so you guys are getting ready to, you guys are getting ready to come into um, a new place in in life and um, I'm gonna tell you what's going on here so you two determined that you would not be a repeat cycle of the houses that you came out of 
and that's 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 not I'm not trying to be you know I mean that's that's all of us you know as, as some of you said to yourselves we will not repeat the cycle here's the problem is that the cycle keeps trying to repeat itself no matter what you do it feels like you do like this and then that cycle does that I came here tonight to tell you that you are about to enter into the Lord's release and you're going to see it happen you will see it happen and the release is coming up on you there, there are people here that are going to find out that an anointing an anointing for debt reduction is getting ready to come upon you and you are going to enter into the Lord's enter into the Lord's release um, if, could someone like give me like a, a whole gob of envelopes real quick and just like bring some envelopes because I'm getting hungry are y'all getting hungry I feel like cupcakes in the air I was in a church a while back and they were and they were doing they were doing something they was cooking in another room and the longer I preached the more people kept getting up and leaving and I said could y'all turn that oven off back there just people was food was coming all through the church <laughs> I'm, I'm getting ready to sit down, but here's, here's what I believe. Here's what I believe. I was looking. Okay, can y'all believe this? This is this, whatever. But I, I've been preaching to you all night, and I did like this. This mic is number seven. This, this, mic, this mic says number seven on it. Number seven. You said say number seven. That's number seven. And I was, so I said to Kathy, how many days are left in this year? She pulls it up on her phone, 77. There are 77 days left in this year and 2020 is going to be your release. I said your release, your release. It's going to be your release. And what I'm going to, what, I, what I'm going to do is say to every person under the sound of my voice that has the faith and the capacity to do so, to sow $77 into this ministry, into this service, to believe that knows that you are at the end of a cycle and you're going to lead with your seed into the new year that's coming up. And God is going to release to you and bring you into a place that has been resisted by the enemy. And you ain't got no chart for it. You ain't got no graph for it. You ain't got nothing to point to. But somewhere in your heart, you know, you perceive that God is doing something for you. And I know that, I know that I'm sure you have more than one way of giving on your phones and cards and all those kind of things but I just I just would like for even if you're going to do that to just to snatch one of these envelopes and say that's me I'm one of those people and if you're one of those people can you just hold your hand up in the air and I'm just coming your way here just for a minute and I'm, and I'm gonna be out your way I'm gonna go back here and sign books so y'all I mean if you want to get a you know a cupcake first it don't matter me but I'm gonna I'm gonna sign some books God bless you guys pastor I'll tell you something you know, it's funny how churches deal in territories. And territories 
God bless you. Can you hand that back there to her? If you touch it, you got to keep it up. Okay. Um, churches are like territories. They're like fields. And, and they can go through harvest cycles. And then they can go through, you know, winter seasons. And then they go, then they go through, they go through all kind of seasons. But you're about ready to hit your biggest harvest that you've had in a long time as far as souls, miracles, anointings. You're about ready. And it's, some of it's going to come in a way that you haven't been expecting. But it's all right. It's coming anyway. Because you know one thing I know about the devil? He can't stop what God is doing. And pass that one back to him right there. And that thank you. We, we just pass them all around. Here we go. Every so often you got to keep one. You can't just pass them all away. Hand that one to her. I'm coming, y'all. I'm coming. I'm coming. I'm coming your way. God bless you, young man. So good. To, so glad for you, sir. May God bless you tomorrow night. Preach. Fix everything I, I messed up tonight. When, when you get up, you can, you can just say, um, now, brethren, let's, let's work this out. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. And this nice lady right there. Let's give her one. Oh, I accidentally gave you two. That would be 150. Bless you. Hi, dear. God bless you. Let's help this brother right here get one. God bless you. He and his wife were helping me preach all night. They was back there like... I don't know if that was me doing good or then back there like, Lord, please help him. Please help him. He's trying so hard. He's trying so hard. God bless you. Just pass him on. God bless you, Pastor. Can you guys help me hand those few out right there? We just, we just pass. You know what? I could just throw them. And if one of them hits you, if one of them hits you, that means that's the Lord's will. I don't know. Just sometime. Thank you, B. Thank you. There's a, yep, they're helping us out back there. God bless you, dear. God bless you, dear. That young man you've been praying for is about ready to have a breakthrough. And, um, and he's been like held, he's been like held up like this. Like I, I don't know, I saw his, I saw him and I saw like, like a claw like this, just like holding on to him, but it's about ready to break. And it's, and it's going to be a release of the Lord over his life. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Did, did I give you one? Or are you just praising? Okay. You get this. You got to be careful how you praise, because you, you you start praising right now, you're gonna pay for it. This this ain't no. My granddaddy used to say you can't shout on credit around here. God bless you guys. God bless you so much. Thank you guys. God bless you. Thank you guys for letting me preach for a little bit longer on my time here tonight if um oh the rest of y'all out there somebody can run these out there because you don't have to be in, in the altar to have an unction to give and everybody's going to give their own way there are people that, that would want to give but you, you may not have that particular amount that may not be a witness to you god never asks you for something you don't have you don't ever have to feel funny about somebody else giving something because one of the good things about the church is we ain't never all broke at the same time amen so whatever you have to give, then let's all give that together. Pastor, thank you so much. Thank you so much. I don't know exactly the, the best way to do this part of the offering. Maybe you can help us. I don't know whether they should bring it up here or, or I, I don't know. Yeah. Bring some buckets up. Let's just put them on the altar here. And uh, if you need to go back and write a check, 
or like he said, give it online, credit cards, however you want to do it. And, uh, and we're going to plant this 77 seed offering in the pastor Bishop Pitt's ministry life. We're going to sow it right into him, praise the Lord. Amen. You're welcome. And thank you for that word, praise God. Amen. Let's give the man of God a hand. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Yeah. Hallelujah. And uh, listen, if you miss tomorrow night, you're missing God. I really believe that tomorrow night, Friday night, right in the Sunday morning, we're just going to build on it. We got, we got higher ground with us to help us build, praise the Lord. And uh, this is just the first night. Amen? This is just the first night. Now, you guys did good talking back for him. You know what I'm saying? Now, now some of you are sitting out there ignoring me. So, here we go. All right? Just because I'm you're the familiar voice doesn't mean that it won't preach. Praise the Lord. So let's believe God as we give tonight. Amen? Father, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, we're planting this as a seed of the Lord's release. And Lord, I know there's been people, and I just uh, so encouraged tonight with Billy and Steph and that word, and Diana, Lord, and Lee. And uh, Lord, I praise you and I thank you for Pastor John and and Lord, and, and the word for them, and Lord, their church, their ministry. Lord, things being released and things done in their ministry, God, that only, only you would know. None of us know any of that here. But God, we praise you and we thank you for the, the right people. And God, I know over the years, I've been so thankful for the right people. Life's too short to be doing life without the right people in our lives. We thank you, Lord, for the way you bring people in and take people out who don't belong in our life at different seasons. If they don't receive what we have for them, Lord, we thank you, Lord, for the way that you separate the wheat and the chaff. But Lord, we praise you and we thank you as we plant this seed tonight. We're believing God for the release of the Lord. The cycle, the seven years. And I'm, I'm not surprised at all that this is microphone number seven. Lord, that there's 77 more days of the end of the year. I'm not surprised at all because I've seen you so many times orchestrate supernatural moments just like that to encourage and the release of faith. And God, I praise you and I thank you tonight for encouraging people to release their faith, to do an act that their mind has to catch up to. That, Lord, that when you say do something, we just simply need to learn to obey and trust the outcome to you. And I praise you and I thank you, Lord, for the harvest in Jesus Christ's name. And all of God's people said, amen. And you can walk that up, drop it in the bucket, and God bless you. You're dismissed. Go get your coffee and your cupcake afterwards.